Uh, yeah, do you want to say your name again? Hi, I'm Kurt. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm possibly quirky. <laughs> Be careful with that chair. It is sketchy. I'm like, am I gonna die? No. I'm just gonna, just gonna... be steady. <laughs> just be... You've met me like five times. I hope by now you know that I can't be steady. <laughs> uh, fuck it, let's record. Sure. Hi, and hello, you fabulous quirky queerdos. This is T. Johnny, and you are listening to episode four of Quirky and or Queer. In this episode, I sit down with Mirrors, also known as Kurt. I have only known Kurt for a little while. I guess I kind of figured out who he was through the digital landscapes of the Halifax Regional Municipality, started following him on Instagram first, Uh, but I've only met him in person really the late fall of 2018, so not that long ago. But I do have distinct memories of seeing him stalking up and down Goddard Street and in Men's and Molly's while wearing these really wonderful, gorgeous thigh-high white boots. Before recording this podcast, uh, before even meeting him, I had thought it'd be really great to do a photo shoot with him. We finally managed to make it work uh, back in the late fall of 2018, but boy was it a short one. Uh, it took place really over 30 or 40 minutes. Uh, it was really, really cold. It was late in the fall. It was just, it was, it was quick. Uh, but since then, I've been thinking it'd be really interesting to talk to him about his experiences with otherness. This year, he is recording, producing, and releasing a track of music monthly for the entire year. He already has two singles available, which we'll get to hear on this episode, and it has been really interesting to getting to learn more about his life, his inspiration, and what drives him to make music. So let's get into it, shall we? Welcome to Quirky and or Queer. So, Kurt. Yeah. Do you go by... Do, does anyone call you Mirrors? Are they like, hey, Mirrors? People who don't know me. Don't know. <laughs> so, it's really interesting how it is socially. Yeah. Um, if I go out to men's or refs or something, you'll get the odd little twink boy going like, oh my god! Uh, like, the odd little twink boy? If they're like very drunk. Okay. Otherwise, I'm not very, you know, out and about anyways. Yeah. But, um... Some people do and some people don't. Or they are like, you're mirrors, right? On Instagram? Because, you know, I mostly use Instagram, yeah. as you know. Yeah. But yeah. You use Instagram and then you delete all your photos. I do. I, that's a thing that people do that I like. You're the first person I noticed to do that. I'm. It frustrates everyone to no end. Okay. <laughs> and whatever. I mean, it's yours. You're allowed to be in control of that. Yeah. Well, I think it really has a lot to do with the fact that people on Instagram, or maybe it's just the white male gaze of Halifax kind Mm -hmm. of want your Instagram to sort of see how you are as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, they're kind of like scoping you out, which is, I guess, the new form of Facebook creeping. It's just Instagram creeping. But mine really is for the sole purpose of music promotion Mm -hmm. and whatever I'm thinking of artistically. Fair enough. So that's what it's for. And that's why I delete stuff and keep certain things. Yeah. So. I love that your profile photo is the photo I took. I'm like, mm, yeah, well, that, that was like, <laughs> it is one of my favorite photo shoots I've done. Sweet. Yeah. It was like 20 minutes long. No, <laughs> it was, was great. Like, wow. I love like a, a quick, like run and gun kind of a deal. I like smacked makeup on my face and like, yeah. let's get going. Yeah. And if my mom's probably going to listen to this and be like, mom, when he says quickie, it wasn't what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> or was but, it? Yeah. No, it was great. Like I, uh. I have no shame in walking around in public spaces with he- those heels on. Mm-hmm. No yeah. shame. Um, so, Kurt, do you identify as quirky? Mm, I mean, it's one of those things that I don't think about in- innately or inherently, but like, I look at my apartment now, mm-hmm. and especially 
now that you're here and you're a new person to see it. Yeah. And yeah, I'm very much a weirdo yeah. and a quirky person who... Got some quirky stuff in here. I think so. I think like, you know, the fact that I have my Remington typewriter mm-hmm. along with uh, <laughs> a Weight Watchers <laughs> like Adorable. um bathroom scale that I got at the uh, Salvation Army on Strawberry Hill oh, for yeah. like six dollars is a testament to the variety in which I'm quirky. And you just moved in here like a week ago. So yeah, this is like brand new. And my bed is up on crates, and I have lots of art on the walls. And mm. and I was saying this the other day, but a lot of the things that I procure, mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty minimal in how I live. I like to live below my means, mm-hmm. but. I'm not materialistic, but the things that I do have are very, um, like, attached to people or memories that I cherish in some sort of way. You sort of curate or cultivate a space that's reflective, like, of the meaningful so. moments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Like um, James Dean. <laughs> well, I just love him. Him and Marlon Brando over there, which um, everyone thinks is Elvis, and that pisses me off. So but. you sort of have a type. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah... Things like those pieces of art, that vase was actually from the tomb video that I did. Oh, yeah. Um, it was one of the only things that I didn't break. Because in that video, I broke a bunch of dishes, uh-huh. and then we put it in reverse. That was one of the only pieces that didn't break, so I kept it. and wow. Use it when I do have flowers. And it was actually in the Rand Cold video for oh. when we had the roses. Yeah. You it, kind of identify as quirky. Yes. Do you I would say I do. I would say I do. Do you identify as queer? I have to. You have to? I think so. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean by you have to? I think just with, like, how I present myself, how I am, it's no question. Okay. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, on a government, like, census. Like, Not that I know of. <laughs> like, you, you have to. Uh, yeah, uh, but I think that, you know, it's just how it is with me. I think it always has been. I think it's a good term. Is that how you, you describe, like, your orientation or the place No, the I don't really for my orientation, mm-hmm. but I definitely, just as a human thing... It's, like, a quality of your existence. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same for me, because, like, when people ask me what my... If, well, people rarely ask me what mm. my orientation is, but I would say gay, because it's convenient. Right. Well, I think it's just... Um, I think it's easy. Yes, it's yeah. convenient. Um, but also, I just know very much that I am, like, a gay male. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I know, right? Bananas. <laughs> but it's true. I'm not trying to uh, fit in any other box or mm-hmm. say that I'm one thing or the other, but mm-hmm. I definitely am a gay guy. Yeah. You know? I mean, would I fit well in the cast of Will and Grace? Probably not. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? You could be, like, the uh, the Showtime version of Will and Grace called William... And Gracia. Or, the, <laughs> or what's that show called? Um, is it Looking? Oh, I loved that show. Yeah, I'm sad, I'm sad it's done. Did you watch the movie? I, I did. I haven't watched the movie. I did. It's basically the show, but yeah. just extended. Yeah. I, what I loved about that show is that... It was gay girls. It was gay girls, but it wasn't <laughs> like... Because girls often goes to an absurd place... To push a storyline or just to be disruptive. Eating cake in a strange place. Yeah. (laughs) Where looking just sort of felt like, I almost felt like I was watching a TV show about my friends. At the time, when did it come out? Probably four or five years ago now. So four or five years ago, um, I was freshly gay. Oh. 
So, or like freshly out, I suppose. Right off the gay tree. Yeah, well, I mean, when it came out, I believe I was either living in Toronto or I had just moved here. Okay. So, it was an interesting box to look at, like, what the gay community was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had already, like, grown up on Will and Grace, so that was kind of my idea of what Mm -hmm. it was. Um, But seeing that was like, okay, maybe that's what it's actually like. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't know if I even like it. Mm-hmm. It's like, they seem like they have good friendships or like the dramas and conflamas and all that yeah. <laughs> stuff is, you know, it's a television show. Yeah. But um, I don't know if it was something that I necessarily participated in yeah. at that time. I was like 19. Well, it's funny because I think in the 90s and the early 2000s, there was so little representation for queer people on TV anyway. Yeah. And so the, all we really had was like, Will and Grace. Yeah, um, totally. Queer as folk, you know? Like, also yeah. very white, very... Yeah. Like, there's one Not single story, you know? For sure. It used to be gay. And so, I think, I don't know, for me, a big part of my process of, is, like, realizing that, like, I don't even feel comfortable in a lot of gay spaces. You know what I mean? In what way? Um... Well, one, I don't drink, so that's an obvious one. But yeah, also, I, I just, just recently stopped, so I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a lot of queer spaces are built around alcohol. They really are, yeah. And so there's, and, the, and a lot of queer spaces are, you know, built really just for able-bodied folks, or like, look at men's bar, you can't go in there if you're in a wheelchair. Oh you know my mean? god, yeah. Well, I'm. they're doing the High Heel Awards at the Bus Stop Theater. March I, 16th, I yeah. will be working. Oh. So. Working there? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Because I work at the bar there sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'll be there. I'm either going to be working the bar or the door. So okay. I will be around and I will be in heels. Well, so April Hubbard, who I interviewed last time, she yeah. will be there and she's quite proud, quite excited. She told me she oh. she'll be there with a whole bunch of other people in the wheelie community. And absolutely. And also like with the bus stop theater, like I love that place. Me too. Um, I think it, well, it's close to possibly dying. So I, I don't want it it's to. Terrifying. So I want more things to happen there. There's no other small theater spaces. I know. I know. I've seen a lot of shows there with like, my roommate, who I just had my divorce with, yeah. uh, Jess. <laughs> she's hopefully listening. No, yeah. I, well, she might ne- She might just because it's me, because yeah. she's been probably my number one supporter in the past couple of years, cool. for sure. So it's been good. She's, because um, uh, I met her the other night when we were at the play, mm. um, and I've always, I've kind of known of her for the last couple of years. Yeah, and she was saying you were nice. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, she's like, I don't know, because I was saying how you introduced me to Jonathan. Yeah. And then she was just like, oh, yeah, that guy. He was nice, but that's because he complimented me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I get that. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we relate. Well, I'm glad uh, that's what she needs because that's what I'll provide. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like, for anyone to remember Mm -hmm. somebody when you're doing something like that is really good. Mm -hmm. I don't get it as much as she does because she is more involved in theater and whatnot and performing to me. Uh, is a whole different can of worms. We quickly mentioned the wonderful space that is the Bus Stop Theatre in Halifax. As of this recording, however, the Bus Stop Theatre is at risk of closing. The building and land are up for sale, and the community is coming together to raise money with the goals of buying the land and expanding the space. Over the last few years, Halifax has seen the loss of many wonderful smaller art community and theater spaces, and the bus stop is one of the last accessible places for folks to see smaller shows. 
Just last night, plug for myself, I was in a show with Hello City and other improvisers at the Bus Stop Theatre. The show sold out, and it was an incredible time, but it was hard not to think about the fact that places like the Bus Stop Theatre are becoming harder and harder to sustain. Development, rising rents, and priority being placed on high-end accommodations and establishments are threatening community spaces. For people like myself, Kurt, and other creators, it is vital we have spaces like this to allow for people to share their creative work, but also because it's just good for the community. There is a really wonderful letter-writing campaign happening right now, urging municipal and provincial government officials to support and sustain expansion of the Bus Stop Theatre. If you are in the Halifax area, or in Canada, or anywhere at all, and you want to express your concerns to our local leaders, I encourage you to check out the campaign at busstoptheatre.org. Kurt and I continue our conversation and jump into the topic of his music and how it is inspired by his otherness. And so you release music as Mirrors. I do. Uh, and you're doing one song a month this year? Yeah, so I'm doing a project called Alluring Blood, which, of course, like me, I have to make it so fucking macabre. <laughs> like, because I think that the notion of what I do is I take myself hyper seriously. Mm-hmm. And people who know me and know that this is the voice that comes out when I'm talking yeah. knows that I really don't. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I think it's... Fun. It expresses things that I really do need to get off my chest. Mm -hmm. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm like a weird, quirky goofball, you know? I didn't know you aside from what you put out on the internet. I seem intimidating online. Yes. Yeah, like... (laughs) I agree. And people have said that. And I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, fair enough. Because power. But... (laughs) And we can't control what people say about us. That's true. Yes. Um, But just naturally as I am, I'm not that way. And I don't always see what I view as like the pinnacle of art. Mm -hmm. I see it as fun. I see it as like creative as as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, But this project I'm doing this year is just basically my way of figuring out how I can be prolific and not stress myself out too much. Yeah. Because I put out two albums now And with each of them, the first one was a bit easier because I did it in kind of segments. Okay. So I put out four EPs, Mm -hmm. uh, one per season. So they had four songs on each. And then I went back to each of them. uh, I cut four songs out and then to the rest, made them as good as I could at the time. I did it on GarageBand. Garage Which is what I'm recording on right no, now. No, but it's like, I did it on GarageBand 08. I, so That's different, is it? Oh, very much so. Oh, um, or was it? No, 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 that's wrong. The, my first recordings ever were on GarageBand 08. This was uh, GarageBand 2011, 12? An important distinction. It re- like, <laughs> yeah. it's, but this is, I'm looking at your setup here, and it looks very streamlined. We're recording, and you can see it run in time. Yeah. Um, that was not the case with mine, especially because my productions are super heavy yeah. and they'll have like 20 layers of like beats, bass, vocals, whatever. Um, so I was trying to record and do all the things and my computer would crash and it was the whole mm-hmm. uh, big deal. But I went back and I polished up some songs and then I put it out as my first album. Mm-hmm. That was great. The second one... I had a huge concept for, I dyed my hair white. I like was wanting to talking, wanting to talk about my experiences being like a gay individual and, um, kind of reconciling my masculine side and my feminine side in Mm. one 
character, which is me. Yeah. Um, and seeing the story behind that, and it was really spurned by this documentary um, called The Celluloid Closet. Okay. Which is really good. I, um, it, I think it was an HBO production. It was like in the 90s. Okay. Um, talking about queer representation in film. Okay. And as you know, and as you've pointed out with my artwork, I love old, old movies and old movie stars and mm-hmm. like um, old Hollywood in general. So I got really inspired and watched a lot of the movies that they referenced and then made those references in, those mu- in the music as well mm-hmm. and put in my own experiences. The reason why it didn't turn out the way I wanted to is because <laughs> I rushed it. Oh. Because um, I told myself it had to be done at a certain time. Yeah. And then I like basically had only a couple of songs done and then I had to make like six songs in six days essentially. So... Mix and mastered yeah. and all that stuff. And Stressful. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. So yeah. I'm. it's not that I'm disappointed in the writing of the songs. I'm disappointed in the production of them. Okay. And some people like them, so that's great. Mm-hmm. But um, going and playing them out last year was kind of... Ugh, and, mm-hmm. you know, people would compliment me on them and I would take it, but it's hard for me to take it when I don't take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Or... Um, like what I'm putting out essentially. So that's the goal of this year is to put out a song a month and then like every single one of them. Okay. So you want to like every single one of them. First. I have to be able to listen to it again. Okay. Because the problem that I have is that I can't go back and listen to, I don't know, something like boys will be boys okay. and think that it's great and danceable. Yeah. Some people can, but I can't. Well, I feel like every, every of my, one, one of my favorite bands, if they ever have an album they don't like, and they talk about why they don't like it, it's very much the same thing you just mentioned. It's mm. just like there was external pressure, or they had to release it quicker than they wanted to. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. I guess it's true of life. If we don't have the time and the space to, I guess, cultivate what we want and, and the way that we want to do it, and then it won't right. how we like it. Yeah. Um, and for me, with pressure, I put so much pressure on myself, mm-hmm. and I don't think that I do, mm-hmm. but I, it gets... It gets pointed out to me plenty <laughs> that I, uh, I, you know, put myself like... You're, you're, like, you're like, I'm chill. I'm chill. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely that person that says that and their eyes like fervently twitching. Just like, ah. Yeah. Um, but, so, everything so far is good. Like, Rand Cold that I put out yeah. uh, in January, I like love. I think mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. I love it, yeah. I, I just like the fact that I was able to put Night of the Living Dead in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... And that it's just, like, ridiculous. So it's able to make a Nightcore version, which mm. I'm just a weeb at heart. So <laughs> Nightcore music is just like, ah. <laughs> So, but yeah, no. My goal this year is just to like the things I put out. And, and what's the song that's going to come out today? What's it called? Um, it is called Chanel Number no. 5. Chanel. I actually did it on my first EP, the spring EP, because I did them each season. Okay. Um, and I'm doing it over again <clears throat> because... I just think it's a well-written song, mm-hmm. just structurally, and I think it's worth revisiting. Mm-hmm. And there are certain songs that I've, I've done that before. When I put out my last album, I did Prince Mine Road, mm-hmm. and that was a song I wrote when I was 17, mm-hmm. and I just re- it really was poignant in my life talking about one of my first experiences with another guy mm-hmm. in a car down a road in Cape Breton and Cape Breton well it's Prince Mine Road yeah. which is like you know in the middle of well close to where it was and yeah. more in the woods and getting hot and steamy <laughs> I, um, but yeah been, and regretting it yeah 
I'm I'm fascinated by how mostly queer men I think use public spaces mm-hmm. for like meeting up and like through history and everything else. And I just I just I find that super interesting. Like, because I think everyone who's a queer man um, has an experience like that. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, like in a car or like outside or something, you know what I mean? Like weird clandestine meetups. Yeah. It's very weird. I mean, I didn't do it for too long, but I mean, yeah, no, I did the things. <laughs> Mears talks about his work as not being held up as the pinnacle of art, but to me, his commitment to producing and sharing content is the pinnacle of art. He's aiming for quite the prolific year, and his productions are layered, textured, and interesting. He uses his voice in ways you might not expect, but there also seems to be something a little bit nostalgic about his music. I also think you can hear inspirations from contemporary pop artists such as Grimes. I love that he has the freedom to revisit his work and update it to reflect who he is in that moment, and to me, he seems so fearless, and his commitment to his music and also maybe his sense of pragmatism about his work is so inspiring. His song, Chanel No. 5, is reflective of this commitment and sense of pragmatism. He previously wrote, recorded, and released it, and has now re-recorded and re-released it in February of 2019. Let's take a listen to Chanel No. 5. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
quirky you definitely identify as queer yeah um what's your relationship with like the term otherness like growing up you grew up in cape breton mm. you're queer you're a musician yeah you're a bit of an oddball so like ah how dare you how dare you do you think do you think like you felt othered as a kid and growing up and sort of mm. displaced? <laughs> somewhat mm-hmm. i don't think like in school, it really was the worst. Where yeah. I went to school in elementary was really small. We all kind of knew each other. We were all like woods kids. <laughs> so, woods kids? Well, yeah. I mean, it was Bulladry Elementary. There's not that many. I graduated with 10 people uh-huh. or like nine other people. That's you know? really small. Yeah. So, and then when I went to junior high, that's when it got a little like, ugh, because, you know, Puberty setting in. Mm, um, a I factors. it was a bigger school. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of the things that I was kind of uh, accepted being with my small group of like cohorts was yeah. not when I got into. Yeah. I had to like become social again, and I'm not good at that. But <laughs> I'm like pushed into like those sorts of spaces yeah. and arenas. So I definitely reverted back into my shell, became much more, not reclusive, but to myself mm-hmm. in order to deal with things because my siblings definitely made it clear that they're not going to help me if I was going to be like, oh no, if I was going to be beat up or anything. Cause I was also like a young mouthy kid in elementary who like <laughs> got into trouble a lot. So they were like, yeah, um, if you're going to be an idiot, we're not going to help you because yeah. you need to learn. They're, they're going to be like, we don't even share the same last name. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it, was, it was good and bad yeah. in a way. But um, I think that was when I really discovered that it was like definitely other or different. Yeah. And then high school, it's more or less I wanted to blend in. Mm-hmm. And then later in high school is when I wanted to stand out more. Mm-hmm. So I used my otherness to my advantage. Interesting. I think. Yeah. I tried to as much as I could. I mean, I was still very insecure. Every shirt that I had had sweat stains in them because I would just be sweating constantly because I was so scared all the yeah. time, yeah. which I don't know if I really spoke about a lot because I just didn't want everyone to like, I don't know, see me as either weak or like something to be pitied. Yeah. So I'm like, but I had a very small close group of friends who I'm still friends with now mm. And they're my buddies, and they're going to be my brothers and friends for life, so. And where do they live? Um, 
One of them lives here. One of them is... I don't, even, I don't fucking know. That guy, <laughs> I... Eric, he's somewhere. He just sent him, like, well, he's, messages to the He's sky. the kind of guy who will just, like, float into town. He's like, hey, I'm here for a few days. What's up? I'm like, I'm working. <laughs> That's what but, my dad does. I'm in the city today. I'm like, yeah. give me a heads up, dad! Yeah, no, but, like, you know, it's nice to know that there's people who have either known you for a long time or just kind of accept yeah. your otherness i suppose and they've been with you through the seasons of your life too so it's like yeah because we do change and we become different people but the core of who we are sometimes oh yeah same. for sure mm-hmm. and especially like they they know where i come from mm-hmm. and not all the people know where i come from especially just in the sense not even like ge- geographically where mm-hmm. i come from it's um how my family is how i was in school like all of these things so mm-hmm. yeah do you think your otherness defines like your music and like your creative pursuits Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. I think that the, I think my experience with otherness is like the weirdest here. Yeah. Because. In Halifax. Yeah. I think that it's definitely more pronounced than mm-hmm. maybe it was a couple years ago. And also a couple years ago, I was in a relationship where I was basically like told not to go out okay. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't even ingratiated into queer spaces until I was here already for three years. Oh, it's even harder because when you move to a space and you want to go meet new people, you kind of have that fresh energy yeah. you have to be here for a few years and then try to integrate. That's so It was weird. It was weird because they're yeah. like, how long have you been in Halifax? And I, I would say like two or three years. And yeah. They're like, well, we haven't seen you out. Yeah, <laughs> you're instantly you're like, well, you're not on the list. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, um, I think being a, a gay musician is an othered thing in and of itself. Yeah. One of the things that I struggle with, I suppose, is the notion that like I can be an artist mm-hmm. or I can like be the person who's making all of the things and making pop music. And because I think it's seen as <clears throat> sort of like, uh, not uppity, mm-hmm. but like, why does he think he's so good? He can do that. You know what I mean? People or are critical, yeah. Critical, but also, um, it's like, if you're not, um, I don't know, there's like gay pop stars around, but like, there's a certain way that you have to be or like not talk about certain subjects mm-hmm. in order to be popular or sing a certain way. Yeah. Um, I was talking with you the other day about this, where like, when I was first starting to sing, I tried to sing like really low. Mm-hmm. And, like, put tons of reverb on my voice and, like, kind of not come to terms with the fact that, like, my voice is inherently gay (laughs) in my ears and in whoever's listening. Yeah. And just accepting that fact is become good. Like, I'm good at it now, but it was hard. Yeah. And I think that a lot of, like, um, Sam Smith. Yeah. Troy Sivan. I'm sure there's other people, like... They're out in public spaces doing the thing and, like, props to them. I think it's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. no judgment there. But also, they definitely do certain things with either their songs or lyrics, actually, mm-hmm. that can be popular mm-hmm. in, you know, queer and non-queer spaces. Yeah, they approach the line between the status quo and other just enough so that they can be celebrated. Which, which yeah. makes sense in a lot of ways. But I do think it's kind of, I think the way that maybe I'm seen sometimes is like that theater kid who thinks he can sing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, I'm not a theater kid 
and I can sing. So it's like, fuck that. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Singing's a funny thing, though, and I think putting music on special, we live in an American Idol world now. Yes. So it's like, people are so critical. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I think um, when you are insecure about all of those, all, like your voice and coming off confident. And if you're insecure about coming off confident, you don't come off confident. True. And then people can sense that. Yeah. And, and especially on a recorded medium, they can hear it. Yeah. And, and it's the same with film mm -hmm. too. Um, cause film acting is different than stage acting. Yeah. Um, it catches everything. So much more nuanced. So very yeah. much so. So I think like, you know, just being okay with sounding like a little bit, like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. A little bit queer, yeah. whatever. Um, like this morning before you came by, I was editing the vocals for Chanel Number no. 5. And it is a very gay song. Mm -hmm. um, it's about Chanel Number no. 5 and I'm a guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, it's about, it is actually about a straight relationship, funny mm -hmm. enough. But, um, like... Just being able to vocalize things and not feel the weight of expectation of myself or societal societal expectation of being like, don't uh, do any vocal runs, don't uh, have any hard S's. Don't, like, I would have that in my head all the time when I was singing at one point. Mm -hmm. Now I just let it go, and I think it's better for me, and I think hopefully <laughs> people will like it too. Mm -hmm. So... We'll find out. I hope so. Like, it's kind of like, I have to let go of a lot of things, I think, in order yeah. to be genuine, because that's what being an artist is, <laughs> being yeah. genuine. Well, it's hard, though, because I feel when you are an artist or you create and it's you're creating is connected to your identity, mm. which it is true for everyone, but if you're queer or if you're in a, like a marginalized population... Your the things that you create are instantly associated with your other identity. Yeah. Where if you're like you're a straight white man and you create you're a country artist, you're just a country artist, right? right? But as soon as you're gay or as soon as you're black or as soon as you're anything, that becomes the identity that gets used with your artist persona. So right. It's like you don't just release music and let it stand on its own. You release music and you're kind of opening yourself to criticism, not just the. Oh the God! Product. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, it's something that I love because I love to do it mm -hmm. and I like creating things um but when it comes to performing live for instance it's a whole different bag for me yeah. I enjoy it yeah um when it goes well <laughs> yeah um how do you recover when it doesn't go well I'm asking personally because I have two improv shows in March and I'm just like, okay oh fuck me <laughs> I how do I recover uh <laughs> oh you don't you just carry the trauma forever <laughs> like oh I I do carry the trauma because yeah. I do think like I I um I don't have the mentality mm -hmm. of giving up either mm -hmm. that I think it's my saving grace in a lot of ways yeah. because like I could have stopped after I because I was I started mirrors in probably 2015 okay um from nothing like I don't know how to produce technically like mm -hmm. I didn't go to school I only know uh, certain things and luckily we live in this age of the internet so I you researched a lot <laughs> yeah. a lot and made a lot of mistakes yeah of course um but 
um, with that and like, it just comes with experience. So I don't have the mentality of like, I'm going to fuck up and then revert back into my shell. Mm -hmm. If I do, it's only for a moment and then I get back out again because I don't believe that anything worthwhile is worth, you know, crying over spilled milk, you know, like it's a small thing. So for instance, um, this summer I played, or this past summer I played Future Forest. You did? I did. Wow. Well, don't say oh well yet. Because I have a story to go along with it. Okay. So, um, and this is not bad-mouthing Future Forest by any means. Okay. Because I actually had, like, a fairly decent time, um, but my set didn't go well. So it was a lot to do with the fact that the other people before me went long, Mm -hmm. and then my setup, quote-unquote, took too long, which I didn't think it really did. Compared to, like, any other show that I've played in town at men's or whatnot, it wasn't that long. But anyway, so I was playing the Prism stage, which is their biggest stage and I had asked beforehand for like a small table to put my sampler on and my guitar or whatnot and they said yeah for sure mm-hmm. and then they had a huge table that took up the entire stage so I only had like a couple of square feet of room to walk oh, wow. and I was also wearing my big white heels yeah. uh pink short shorts and a white t-shirt just to really show everybody that I'm gay. <laughs> they could see you from space. Really, though. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was a shining beacon of queerness. <laughs> so, I'm sad I missed it. <laughs> yeah. No, well, so um, I was slotted to play probably 30 to 45 minutes, mm-hmm. which is pretty standard for me. Um, and I go up, and since the people before me went long, I took too long to set up. They were like, okay, you have 15 minutes. Oh, wow. And I was like, uh, because I had traveled all the way from Halifax to New Brunswick by myself with strangers, uh, slept in a tent, and all the things that I hate about nature. No, I'm just kidding. I love nature. (laughs) I just like, um, and then I got 15 minutes. Yeah. And then that. It's a letdown. It freaked me out as well. And so I had to like figure it out on the spot. And then. In the middle of the set, I had the guy on the in the wings going like, "You have seven minutes," and it just like was not ideal. Also, at the same time, they were resanding the pit, okay. um, so where the sand is before the stage. At the same time as I was going on, uh-huh. so no one of my friends was able to come up and be near the stage. Yeah. They were yards away, so you must have felt so isolated. I was super isolated, yeah. but. The all, and it was like, shit, I had not a good set. I just went back and was disappointed. And the only benefit that I had from that show was hearing my music on speakers that are taller than myself and cool. just boomed around. That was really amazing yeah. to hear the entire stage shake because of something that I just like derped around on my computer <laughs> at home. Yeah. You know, so well, that was for 15 cute. minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like that was a terrible time. Yeah. How did I recover? I drank a lot. (laughs) And then um, I went back and wrote a song about that experience, actually, and then pushed forward. I actually had a show, I think, that weekend. Okay. I think so, um, because I believe that was when Pride was, Mm -hmm. and I had a show at Men's, Mm -hmm. and nobody went. But it was so much better than the previous show, so that made up for it. You got to wash away the other experience. Yeah, there was yeah. like probably like five people, but mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit. I was like, the five people were there and they were happy, and I liked that. I don't care how many people are there, I just care that like 
we're having an experience together and it's not me like thinking I'm an egoic monster. Yeah. Because like I'm not. I'm just singing songs about my life. Yeah, let's get that on record. He is not. Uh, surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. As much as I like wear white collared shirts and wear my jackets and things. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, confidence is like it's a quality that people have or they don't sometimes, or it's like in between. But for a lot of people, I think for me, like coping, like I, I use confidence or like fake confidence as a coping mechanism, right? To like push mm. myself through, like just to like I'll crack a bunch of jokes, take up a lot of space, look really, really confident. Mm. But I'm like definitely, I would say one of the more insecure people I know. Um, yeah, but we're always harsh on ourselves. Then. Absolutely. Somebody else. Yeah. So do you think that you're like, because you are out there, you just put yourself out there, you do these really wonderful things. I try. Do you, do you think it's also like part of like overcoming labels or identities? For sure. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean like, there's been enough times where I've been either told I can't sing or can't play guitar, can't do mm-hmm. this, can't do that. And I just, ha- I do have that quality of like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. So that helps, but also like I know I know what I'm getting into mm-hmm. most of the time. I also think that everything is a growth experience mm-hmm. in some sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I, I try not to be um if I am grandiose, it's in like the ha ha nudge nudge kind of a way. <laughs> okay. It's never I'm definitely not the worst. I've seen the worst before and some of them are in Halifax, so <laughs> this is not a no tea, no shade. <laughs> it's not. No, I also have seen a lot of people who like think they're much better than they are. Yeah. And that is weird. It's weird to experience. Do you think you have a pretty honest idea of like how, what, what your level of quality is? My thing is that I'm extremely harsh on myself. Okay. The reason being is because I'm extremely realistic. Oh, okay. And it's good in a lot of ways, but you know, I think it can inhibit a lot of, um, my, I don't know, just quality, like letting go. I've, uh, I, some people meet me and they think I have a stick on my ass for a reason, because I think that I'm judgmental of how I'm carrying myself a lot. And I'm trying to let go of that as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, but it's still there. And I think that, you know, it comes with time. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, I just turned 25. So I mean, so like, I'm, I'm just like trying to, um, you know, let loose as I get older. I think that's just <laughs> ridiculous, but I mean, it is what it is. Because they say, like, you always, as you get older, you try to, as you were as a child, without yeah. all of the, you know, pre, like pre, like pre, yeah, yeah. prepubescent, like, innocence, for sure. So I think I'm, I'm getting there. Because when, when I was a kid, I was, like, obnoxious as hell. Yeah. My mom one time, uh, I, we went to go see... The Little Mermaid in theaters when it was re-released, and I decided that that was the time when I was going to dance. <laughs> so I like what? Yeah, no, I went like in the aisles and started to dance. How old were you? I was like six. Adorable. Or maybe four, actually. I was oh younger. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was also like an adorable child. Were you? I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Because like my nose didn't come in yet. <laughs> <laughs> But now big noses are good. Thank you, Starsborn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel that a lot. Um, one of my friends, Cadence, always like I love Cadence. the reason why he was drawn to me is he was like, "You look a little like Lady Gaga." <laughs> I see it. Yeah, and we're both big fans. So, yeah. and he thinks I, I think we both have like a sparring match of 
what we know about her. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, I'm a, such a fan, and so is he. So, like, we have, like, a, oh, like, you've seen this interview clip, blah, 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 or, like, this obscure video. It's uh, like, we've seen it all. We know it all. I am definitely going to do a YouTube episode. Deep dive? No, no and it's going to be a trivia between the two of you, a competition. Oh, that would be good, I'm actually. I love Cadence. Yeah. I did a photo shoot with Cadence a couple years ago. Yeah. Is the Halloween one? I, the oh, with the skull? Yeah. Yes. No, it was really it's great. So yeah. He and Cole are really amazing. Yeah. They do a lot of really great shows at Men's, yeah. and they've been gracious enough to have me along and as somebody who isn't always forthcoming about playing shows the fact that they ask me Mm -hmm. makes me feel really good they're giving you space well because I don't always feel like I'm part of the community in a lot of ways and they kind of at least in some ways try it doesn't take much just like asking a question is really nice so it's like yeah, it's really good. Cadence is one of those people that I don't know super well, but like, mm. if I'm ever in a spot where I'm feeling like a bit of doubt about my abilities or like my present representation in the community, or like mm. if I have, if I feel like I'm holding back at all, I'll think of Cadence and be like, "Fuck, like why hold back?" That's you true. Know? Very true. Like, yeah, and you're similar too because I feel like both of you just put yourselves out there so much. You're like, "This is who I am. Take it or leave it." It's true. Well, yeah, it, we both definitely have a little bit of like fuck everybody else <laughs> kind of attitude. Especially when I'm out. Yeah. I, I definitely feel it more so. I think uh, that has a lot to do with uh, the knowledge of like drag and yeah. things like that where you kind of have to be that way. Yeah. And I'm not by any means a drag queen, yeah. but I definitely take a lot of that sentiment and uh, try to apply it to myself. And I think it works. Well, and also I just feel like if you're out there and you're, you're doing this like sort of like fuck you to everyone else, it's not like a fuck you and like I hate the world. It's more like it's like a fuck you. I love myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, that um, Mariah Carey song, Can't Take That Away. Oh, I don't know it. I am I love Mariah Carey. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love her so much. It was one of the first CDs I ever got was Mariah Carey. Which one? Christmas album. Well, yeah. Classic. Grade six. Yeah. Miss You Most at Christmas Time. I was pretty obsessed. Um, no, I, uh, like, you can't let people, like, touch what you've created. Mm-hmm. And when you go out like that, it is something you've created. Mm-hmm. You've, like, procured things mm-hmm. in order to go out. You know? Whether it be the outfit that you're wearing or the attitude that you're mm-hmm. wearing, actually. Yeah, like, I think it's mm-hmm. sort of... Part of the core. I don't do it very often, but I think it's good mm-hmm. in those sorts of... I'm trying to, like, integrate that into when I perform so that I have that sort of, like, okay, I'm a boss-ass bitch. I can do this. I literally have a little thing in my car that says boss-ass bitch. Yeah, I think I... I, <laughs> I should, like... I don't know. It's something I'm coming to terms with. Like, I'm an art school dropout, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was never, like... Like, here, hi, like, this is me. Kurt is absolutely a boss-ass bitch. I love when he says, you can't let people touch what you have created. It is clear he's open to feedback and learning about his work, but he also has this awareness of the limiting power of criticism. His work and his persona are somewhat of a fuck you to the expectations placed upon him and other queer men, but also it sounds like it's a fuck you, I love myself. 
Kurt and I share a few commonalities. He has moved from a rural area to a bigger city, in his case Toronto, and then back to Halifax. I've lived a very similar existence. He also occupies a space which is a bit other within the wider queer community, which really resonates with me. However, there are many wonderful creative and queer folk in this city, and they are holding and cultivating space for people to create and try new things. I hope that if you are listening to this podcast, you appreciate queerdos doing creative things. I'm greatly appreciating Kurt's wisdom and perspective around creating work. His expression and clarity and his identity is something I am incredibly envious of. I feel like I reinvent myself every couple of years, and sometimes it feels like wild grasps in the dark, where I'm just trying to grab onto anything or something uh, which feels like it could become a part of me. I'm going to take a lesson from Kurt and hopefully be a bit more fearless in presenting creative works. Another song Kurt released this year is called Ran Cold. I really enjoy the song and I love the production and the ethereal sounds that come with it. Let's take a listen. Strange and insincere So I thought 
they didn't move, they didn't run, or just wanted to crush them. mentioned that you kind of like have like an internal like critical person inside mm, of you. Yeah. What does that person look like if you had to give them like an image? Hmm. Oh god, that's a that's a hard one. That's a really difficult. I'll give you an example. Like sure, okay. mine I've identified mine as being like the version of myself that I most disliked in junior high. Like glasses, a bowl cut with its undercut. I'm wearing like Adidas tearaways and like this awful like ribbed turtleneck and just like constantly crying from the eyes because I was allergic to everything and just yeah. sad and angry. So like whenever I think of like the critical monster who's telling me not to do something, I was like, it's that little kid who's like afraid of everything. Okay. I think mine is like somebody who maybe it's like that version of the high school kid who like was just so scared all the time and maybe thinks everything I do is a little gauche. <laughs> like, just like, what? If there's a high school kid that even knows what that means. Like, yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, I did go to Kings for a year too. Oh yeah. So like, that's also a thing too. I literally sometimes get called out for going to Kings. Oh. Because it's its own, it's its own thing. It's, own, it's definitely its own And I'm also thing. a weird Kings student because I wasn't, I went there just for the foundation year program, mm-hmm. so the first year. And then I also didn't live on campus yeah. and I didn't go very often. <laughs> yeah. Because I was an idiot. Uh, I started to date somebody at the same time, so. Mm-hmm. That's the first year university is for, I think, though. What a waste of money. Well, FIP, like, FIP in particular is like, think it's like they put the hardest stuff in the first year yeah. and they they just have like a very high like mandate for their students mm-hmm. which is really great and I actually got a lot of good stuff from it good books um good conversations um and some friendships but it's you know it's a different beast mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not like a known person there like no one would know who I am on the king's campus cuz there's some people who are like most of them are from Ontario anyway, so just... <laughs> I know. And when people meet me, they think I'm from Ontario because I don't have a Cape Breton accent, really. I think I just sort of assumed you were from Ontario. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm from Cape Breton, yeah. Mm. And um, the reason why I don't have an accent is my dad doesn't have one. He's, he is from British Columbia, like grew mm-hmm. up in British Columbia. And then my mom has a really unique ability to turn it off and turn it on, mm-hmm. like a light switch. She doesn't think she does, probably, but I hear it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a front-end manager at a grocery store. Right. So I think, like, when she was at work, at, you know, talking to people in Sydney Mines, yeah. she would just, you know, lapse right into it. And when she was home, she just wanted to, like, read a book. Fair enough. <laughs> and do her own thing. And she's still <laughs> the same way, although she's retired. Oh, man. But, and so what, what area in, in Cape Breton did you grow up in? So I went to school in Sydney Mines, North Sydney area. Okay. But I am from Bulladry Island. Bulladry Island. Mm. We'll look that up later. So um, essentially 
I don't know if it's exactly an island within the island, but kind of. Um, you are an island within an island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you ever go to Cape Breton and you're going on your way to Sydney, mm-hmm. you'll go across the Seal Island Bridge. So yeah. like that big green bridge. I live yeah. really close to that bridge. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What a beautiful place to grow up, though. I like Cape Breton's gorgeous. It is the thing that I definitely took for granted a lot as a yeah. kid and am really grateful to be able to go back now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that changed since then. Like, we had property at one point. Now we don't. Uh, we can still walk down there and everything, but people went down and kind of, you know, destroyed my childhood a little bit. Yeah. Like, they took bulldozers yeah. and, like, went right through it. Yeah. Um, which is really sad. It's, like, one of the saddest things that I've had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, my sister for a long time couldn't even go down there. Wow. Hey. Yeah. And now she's living in Cape Breton, so it's, like... I think we're okay with it. We went sometime in November, December. Mm-hmm. We went for a walk with her dog. But, you know, it's fine now. I think we come to terms with it. But, like, we spent a lot of time down there. That was where I was singing. Yeah. I was very much like uh, Aurora in Sleeping Beauty. I would, like, sing to the birds like a weirdo. That was full on me as a kid, too. Yeah. There's videos of me singing in the backyard on a corner lot. And oh, singing. really? So just, like, belting out Whitney Houston thinking no one could yes. hear me. Yes. No, that's the thing. It's like you think no one can hear you. One of the things that was really funny was when I was younger um, and... In, like, high school, mm-hmm. that's when I started to, like, really get into, like, Mariah Carey and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I could hit, like, whistle notes. What? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can uh, you actually, still hit a whistle note? Um, I just need to practice. <gasps> but, um... That's, well, like, the upper echelon. If you like... want to do, like, a deep dive into my work, um, on YouTube, if you go to... I want to say the summer EP. Okay. It's one of the, it's the interlude that's on that one. Uh-huh. I do a whistle note on that. So if you ever like are curious. Would you ever do it live? Like, is that something that you I'd have to practice it a lot. Oh, wow. So like, and I haven't done it in a while. When I get to rehearse, I'm going to start rehearsing in the spring mm-hmm. to do shows in the summer, hopefully. Cool. So, um, we'll see. But, um, I used to do that a lot and I used to go and either sing at the house and have the windows open or I'd go into... The woods. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we kind of live, um, I, I wouldn't say it's like a valley, but it's like, a dip. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, there's like the dip to the lake, yeah. so Bredore Lakes, where it goes right out into the Atlantic Ocean. So gorgeous. Um, and Kelly's Mountains on the other side. So um, our neighbors who lived kind of below adjacent to us were like, um, <laughs> so we hear <laughs> somebody singing like opera. <laughs> and then uh, at the time I probably just got like red in the face but they asked my I think it was my sister or something they were just like oh, yeah. who the hell is that and she's like that's Kurt I oh, yeah. <laughs> do doing this thing but yeah so it was a good way to train my voice because no one was judging me yeah um that I know of <laughs> Before you had the awareness of it. Yeah. I was like, I was also the kind of person who I do, like, I'm very researched mm-hmm. in everything that I do, um, especially in singing. And then I, I looked up one time, I'm sure if anyone knows Beyonce and things like that. Who's that? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, Is that, she a single lady? Um, that like, <laughs> she's not. She's not. Um, that... Back in the day when she was training, training with Destiny's Child, her dad would make her go on a treadmill and sing at the same time. So, myself being me. Papa Knowles, what are you doing? Papa Knowles. I like, was like, I can do this. 
So then I would also run and sing at the same time, which I was such a better singer when I was like 17 yeah. than I am now. Really? But well, yeah, because I was like much more trained, like, at least on a weekly basis, yeah. you know. But uh, just because I loved it so much, it wasn't like anything that was mandated to do. Huh. Yeah. If there were like five songs that you would say that describe who you are or like have inspired Ooh. you, what are those? So give us five songs. Songs? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's such like a stressful question. God, because that like that can vary a lot because sure. yeah. I have the most eclectic taste in music. Well, when I walked in, you were playing like a was a Shangri La. The Shangri Las, yeah, yeah, from the nineteen sixties. So I love them. So maybe I'll choose one of their songs. I really like "Out in the Streets." Out in the Streets by the Shangri Las. And then, um, in the past couple of years, I've really, really loved Kate Bush. Oh yeah. So um, probably. Well, there's, like, one song on Hounds of Love that I absolutely have to avoid. Okay. Because it makes me cry every single time. Really? Wow. Um, so, if we're talking about my varied experience, and if, you, <laughs> if you're ever in the mood to, like, get emotional, listen to In Dream of Sheep. In Dream of Sheep, okay. I think it's and, but I, I'd have to look it up. But anyway, that song is, like, ugh, it gets to me. But, like, listen to any Kate Bush and it's... From Babushka to Hounds of Love itself, it's like, everything is just so good. So that's two. Shangri-Las, Kate Bush. And then maybe, like, I really love John Williams. Okay. So, like, he scores a lot of, he scored, like, Star Wars. Oh, um, okay. And one of my my favorite movies is Memoirs of a Geisha. So, like, the fire scene in Coming of War is amazing. Um, Because I was... This is the thing about me was as a kid, it took an uh, like 45 to an hour to get to school every day on the bus. Mm-hmm. So I'd listen to like my little MP3 player. So it would have like some random J-pop song because mm-hmm. I'm that kind of a kid. But then also it would have Battle of Endor on there. That was like <laughs> 15 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's uh, another John Williams music in general. Um, Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Uh, dogs okay. from animals, which is I used to walk to the church, which was down the street, and listen to dogs, which was pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's scary because I like to make things scary for myself. <laughs> um, you said it yourself. You have a, a touch of the macabre. Right? A touch of the macabre. Yeah. Any Britney Spears? Really? Oh man, you've got like Kate Bush, Britney. I, I see it. I get it. Eclectic. I I like a lot of like lady singers. Yeah. I would say it doesn't typically bleed over into the male too much. Yeah. But, because uh, I love just, like, good pop music. Yeah. Like, Britney's, cup, like, first couple of albums. Yeah. Um, and playing, then Blackout. I was playing Toxic on, on guitar yesterday. See, Toxic is great. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm, like, a weirdo. Me and my old coworker used to listen to Email My Heart from her oh, first God. album. It's so good. Do you ever see any of her interviews talking about that song? Yeah. It's it's a classic internet meme now. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, but so, like, any, like, classic Britney is up there. Um, and then maybe since it took up a lot of my years, like, Lady Gaga. Of course, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. like, I loved her and still do mm-hmm. um, so much. Mm-hmm. I think she really, if I do, like, want to say, if there's one person that got me to, like, actually think that I could do anything musically, it's her. I just remember, when she came out with Just Dance, I remember listening and be like, don't care. 
Wasn't interested. Right. Poker Face. I was like, kind of good. And then I saw her do a live version of Poker Face on a British radio show. Yeah. She did it in the jazzy version. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh my God. Mm. And instantly obsessed. Yeah. And she, so, she holds the space and will continue to hold the space where she just plays these really absurd characters. Yeah. And all of her music is like built to be on the radio, but also it's just really weird. Yeah. And I just love it. Yeah, I think that's when my parents were like, oh, he's gay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> You're just so... Doing bad romance in your bedroom by yourself. Basically. <laughs> like, not even a bit of a joke. I was that kid. And, like, uh, she was the first concert I saw. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was in Toronto you mentioned. Yeah, that. I went uh, to the Monster Ball in Toronto with my mom. Oh, my gosh. Um, we were in the nosebleeds. I was so happy to be there. It's just, like... Yeah, it was so good. It was like everything I wanted it to be. Sounds like your mom's like a big supporter of you. She is in her way. Yeah. I would like our family's pretty cold, I would say. Oh. Not that there's no love or like anything like that, but we're not uh, we don't express yeah. things very well it's through behaviors and actions and that's so Yeah, it's very uh, held back. Yeah. I would say we're very reserved mm-hmm. as a, you know, um, as a unit. But support as much as she, they, she can, Yeah. you know, I think as a family member, uh, when it comes to like my siblings, I am the other. Okay. Yeah. I'm the black sheep. And there's four kids. So I'm the baby. Okay. And then it's my brother, uh, my sister. And then I have a half sister who's a significant amount older. She's in her thirties and has like the classic family. Like she just had her third kid and, you know, husband's a carpenter. She was a nurse, kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah, and and then everyone else like lives in Cape Breton. I'm the only one, and well, my other sister lives in Ontario, but so um, they, they concentrated all the weirdness into you. They're like, well, yeah, it's like I had to be the gay one, but then also, well, my sister's a lesbian, but like, um, I had to be the gay one, but also I had to be the artist. I had to be the yeah the one who is the one who has the most financial problems. <laughs> Preach. I, I am the gay hippy-dippy of the family. Everyone in my family is yeah. military. Yeah, I'll, well, that'll do it. And they, they're all wonderful, but it's like, I'm definitely the, yeah, the artist, the queer, the, the broke one. Yeah. <laughs> the I'm sensitive like, one. Well, oh God, yeah, I get the sensitive one a lot. Yeah. It's like, not even that, well, I don't know. I like, I had to sort of come to terms with the fact that that like this past Christmas that I think I'm the Meg of my family. The Meg? The Meg As from Family Meg. Guy. Oh, I thought I instantly thought of the shark. No. <laughs> the Megalodon. No, I, I <laughs> No, like I think I'm definitely like the one, like I'm the oh, yeah. designated Schmendrick. Oh, uh, you think you're all better than me, and then it's like your family sitting there and then They're like, like shut up, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like oh. I try to like say one thing and I get shot down a lot. Yeah. Which isn't great. You know, I'm definitely just like the one that sticks out like a thumb but when I'm with my family I try not to yeah and talking about making music is really awkward for me Mm. because it is very personal so it's hard for me to like say it with confidence especially with my family who are critical and also you know I don't I don't know what their actual opinions are like I will say I genuinely don't know interesting because I don't think they really want to tell me if it's bad it's funny how some things we can, like, put it into the world for strangers, no problem. And then when it comes to our family, we hold back. Mm. Like, I totally think I've come to terms with myself a lot more. But, like, when I was in my 20s, there were things I didn't tell my family yeah. that I wanted or that I dreamed of, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's definitely something that 
I don't express very easily. Mm-hmm. I can talk about um, my day job and like my finances actually, yeah. or day to day processes of like, um, you know, dealing with my roommate or whatever, but I can't talk about like that. I spent two hours editing vocals yesterday because yeah. <laughs> they don't really get that. Fair. Um, as much as, you know, we love music as a family for the most part. Um, it's just like the fact that I'm making it is, you know, I don't know what it's seen as, so I don't try to draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. Fair. We edit ourselves sometimes, especially around the people we come from, especially when it comes to how we define ourselves based on our livelihoods. We ask each other, what do you do? When really what we most often mean is, how do you sustain yourself in this economy? For many, that means more than the money they make. People who are compelled to create, and I really believe that we are all compelled to create in some way or another, are not always afforded the liberty of being considered a successful artist. Worse, if you're not doing it as your main pursuit, or if it isn't what gives you most of your income, often people will just consider it to be your hobby. There are artists in every community who, surprise, surprise, are not making any money. Some have dreams of turning their creative pursuits into something that provides them with financial reward. Others are fine creating for themselves or for the people in their immediate networks. They are all artists. Who gets to decide who's an artist or not? Who gets to decide what has merit and why? Usually the people who get to decide are the ones who've been provided with more opportunities and resources. Should they be the ones deciding what is worthy art and what isn't? I would argue no. We need to create more space and opportunity for everyone to find their way as an artist without the pressure of having to be good or to make money. Mirrors is creating work that is good. He's creating work that is interesting. He's creating work that he wants to be heard and valued by other people. But more importantly, he's just creating work. I fully believe that good work comes when you make it a practice. Focus on the quantity and the quality will come. We don't need to edit ourselves before we create the content. We, or the many armchair critics who want to provide feedback, can help us do that later. We need to be responsible for showing up first. Kurt is producing and recording interesting and beautiful work, and he is making it a consistent practice. To me, that is inspiring. So I, like, I guess it's fair, but I think it's like something that I kind of wish would change. Mm-hmm. I think it will once I start to actually make money, because I think that's kind of how we are. It's like, well, if he's not making money off of it yet, it's not serious yet. Well, that's the world we live in. We're defined by like these 40-hour work weeks and getting a job and your yep. career. And it's like, if you have any other pursuits and you can't commodify them, then they're not considered valued by most people. Totally. And I, it's like, I do make some money. I just don't make a lot of money. Yeah. And I don't think that people really take into account how little you make off of like Spotify and yeah. iTunes and things. Well, iTunes, iTunes is a little more because you can actually buy a song uh-huh. and I'll get that revenue. But like... Yeah, when I put out uh, Silent Night, like, this year for Christmas, I made, like, 25 cents off that song. Imagine, oh my god. Yeah, that's, like, not a lot of money. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm in the hole with this podcast, and yeah. will be forever. Yeah, and I've spent way too much money in the upfront. But that's the thing, it's like, you have to, and that's what's interesting about, it's kind of, like, crazy when you think about the fact that you're not really getting much out of it, other than personal satisfaction, mm-hmm. and... Um, artistic output but you're not getting anything like tangible yeah. and if, it's like why are you even doing it like some people think that I don't but yeah. like you know. uh, if we lived in a better world though we'd be able to pursue any one of our passions and have yeah. to about the I guess the financial reward that comes with well them. I think like 
there's a difference between having a passion and then doing something and knowing that it's going to pay dividends in the end. Absolutely. And like, I know that cause I've had plenty of things that I've wanted to do yeah. in my youth. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be an actor, all of these things. Yeah. I settled upon this because I think it's the best utility for my skills. Like yeah. I know I'm proficient at making music. I am a creative person. Mm-hmm. I'm a loud mouth who likes attention (laughs) and like you're also incredibly self-aware and incredibly (laughs) self-aware like all of these things and i'm like okay no but like if you think about the traits that you need Mm -hmm. to do that and some things just need a couple tweaks and maybe some work then yeah do that thing so that's why i laid upon this because i mean i could become a filmmaker but i don't think that that's really what would make me any money. You, I could become an excellent stripper, but I don't think that, like, <laughs> you know, that's going to make me... Well, then again. Not <laughs> Halifax, oh my God. Uh, yeah, Ralph's is close. I so. know. <laughs> it's funny, you've watched The Price is Right? I, I actually haven't. Well, there's a game on there called Plinko where you drop the coin and yeah. it pumps around. Yeah. I often think of my life as, like, an ongoing game of Plinko where okay. I always fall in that same hole. But I keep putting it in and thinking it's going to go a different direction because I've, I've done... A you have many, met, you've, like, done many things. Many, many things. Yeah. And I always kind of end up in the same spot. It's like... Okay. And so... Or things that bring me joy or give me kind of a sense of, like, wellness. Mm. It always comes down to the same stuff. It's, like, creating content, being in community, doing things that pursue social justice. Yeah. And so it's, like, don't any times I become a flight attendant or, like, work on boats or decide to become a biologist. Like, I always just end up coming back to that same spot. So doing something like this podcast or my photography, it's kind of always coming back to this idea that the things, the core values of who I am around i guess creation yeah totally yeah like i like that because it seems like everything sort of has an underlying um sort of thesis to it Mm -hmm. with yourself because it's like okay yeah you do photography but you feature certain things Mm -hmm. you might do like the odd wedding or something Mm -hmm. but like for the most part it's like all kind of under the umbrella of like i am a part of the queer community and here's i would like to showcase that And then with this podcast, same thing, yeah. you know? So I like the idea of that. Um, I don't really know what mine is as much. I just know that I, like, innately like to create weird things. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it actually has a lot to do with, like, I love music and film and um, most things to do with, like, the creative pursuits. Yeah. And I kind of want to, like, be a trans like a funnel mm-hmm. for the things that I love. Yeah. So like a conduit. I try to be yeah. like for the kinds of music I like to listen to and then like put it through the mirrors filter and then it'll come out to you. That's kind of how I see the like um off mythology I did a song Kissing Girls at Parties, which is my version of a Shangri-La song kind of. Yeah. Or like a um, like a Beach Boys record because it's like it's right but it's very much like doo-woppy yeah. and like just guitar and like simple bass and just like a crash you know what I mean like yeah. s- simple things like that is there um, a particular I guess uh, when you go to create a song like do you follow a similar pattern is it always in the same time or just like what, what's the first thing you do when you write a song it really depends it really depends okay so um, sometimes it's a title okay like I'll stick with the title and that it, it will just be like 
I'll write basically just based off that mm-hmm. and like whatever creative idea comes. Like I can I can like blood ran cold or ran cold. I wrote that four times before I settled on the one that is online now. Okay. But I had blood ran cold and then I just took the blood out because I have the series is called Alluring Blood. I didn't want it to be too bloody. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not quitting Tarantino. Um, so that is that way. But then the other way is just like picking up my guitar mm-hmm. or one of my guitars and then strumming something, putting the capo on one of the frets and just going for it and then mm-hmm. see what comes out. It could be from a journal entry that I had and... You know, the notes feature on your phone is excellent. <laughs> oh, man, I don't use it. I should. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it really, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when it comes to the production, that's when things can be more finite. Mm-hmm. So I can sort of sit down and if I'm, like, thinking, oh, I want to make a dance song. Mm-hmm. Because, like, with Blood Rain Cold, actually, was I had the beat since the summer mm-hmm. because I just, like, made a beat and I really liked it. Um but I hadn't written to it and I just sat with it for a while and just like either listen to it occasionally and go back to it or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I had an experience with somebody and then it made me think of something and then triggered. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I had a guy who <laughs> I was with for a brief moment and then he uh, showed his cards essentially. And that's what the song was about. <laughs> he turned around and my blood ran cold. Oh man. Yeah. Ain't that the truth with so many, but yeah. A lot. I mean, yeah. So I think like all different kinds of ways. So what's next for Mirrors? I know so you're doing the songs being released today, Chanel number five. Mm. Um, and then you'll be doing another song next month, obviously. Yes. And then I know what that song is already. Because actually the thing with this project is that each video is a sneak peek to the next song. Mm-hmm. So it's all going to be encompassing, and then it'll be all tied together at the end. And how many, are you going to do 12? Is it going to be like a whole year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Because I said I would. <laughs> that's oh. really, that's like what it is. It's yeah. like, yep, I, I'm doing it because I said to myself, I'm going to fucking do this, regardless of whether or not people are going to listen to it. Yeah. As much as I try to, I'm very, I'm trying to be adamant about like, Getting people to just effing listen to me, which is hard because it kind of like can be an ego check. Uh, Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm going to put out music. I'm such a prolific artist. And then no one listens. Yeah. Practically no one. It's hard. Well, I mean, I feel similar with this podcast in that. Oh, you're doing fine. I I think I'm doing fine. But it's it's this idea of like. It's not the same. It makes me think of like um, as a kid. Like, someone in the community, in the subdivision that I grew up in, they'd be like, yeah, we're having a Tupperware party. And so sometimes when I tell people about my podcast or my work or the things that I'm, I'm passionate about, I'm like, am I trying to sell Tupperware? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm trying yeah. to, I'm like, I care about something and I want people to care about it with me. Right. It's like you're calling them in to, like, what you think is awesome. So yeah, and then you it. end up having, yeah. like, a com- I've had, like, plenty of good conversations just spurned from, like, sending songs to people. Yeah. And I love that. Uh-huh. Like, I like being able to be like... Hey, like I put out a song, you should go listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, it's good, or okay. <laughs> or, or they just don't talk to you again. Or that you see it's like seen at like 6.45. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I will just uh, believe that you listen to it. Thank you for being a friend. What do you, <laughs> what, do you <laughs> what do you think people are gonna think of Chanel number five? Um, what are you hoping people will think? What people will think? Yeah. What is this about? (laughs) 
Okay. Like, I don't know what the, like, I don't really think about that in terms of, like, the individual record or song itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe with an album I would. With this song in particular, I think it's like, hmm, it's a, it's a good story song. So I hope, like, I hope that it gets listened to and is just, like, it's evocative mm-hmm. of a certain mood. Okay. I suppose. Because it's about um, this guy who loved this girl and she was more or less wild mm-hmm. and unable and unwilling, really, to love this guy back. And him kind of having this love that he, like, un, like unrequited. Like, mm-hmm. he can't even, like, help it. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's the lyric I'm trying to remember? Um, like, all flowers have to fade and they'll remain... In the photos you take, mm-hmm. uh, there's no sense in keeping the rose of her alive, but her scent is being left behind. Chanel mm-hmm. number five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, you know, people are going to change, but just hold on to that little nugget of that nice thing that you had one time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's indicative of me and like my things is like, I've gone through some really shitty experiences with some people. We all have. Yeah. But I do think it's important to sort of remember the good in everybody. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a lot of bad things that bad people do, but not everyone's 100% terrible other than Harvey Weinstein. So <laughs> so my analysis of this is, is I, I honestly think that everyone is doing, they're filling the space that they're given and they're, they're doing what they think is best, but your analysis has to change based on how much power someone has. <laughs> someone like Harvey Weinstein, he's just so powerful. Yes. So it's like, I don't care what his intentions were. Ever. I just don't. Because you have that much power and you've done that much harm. I'm just like, throw them out. There's a really great video um, from a YouTube series that I, or a channel that I love called Be Kind Rewind. Okay. And they analyze the, I think, 1999 Oscars. Okay. Um, when Gwyneth Paltrow won yeah. for... Because she didn't even name him. Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that year, that campaign and what he and Miramax we're doing at the time. It's very interesting. I have to watch that. That it's a really good channel. I'm like obsessed with it because I love the politics of winning awards. Mm-hmm. So And how much influence like certain things have. I mean, how much flack did Gaga get for saying the exact same thing over and over again? Yeah. She's been doing that her entire career, but for yeah. some reason this is the thing like Well, Jennifer Lawrence, you know, yeah. like she was a Hollywood darling and then people found her annoying all of a sudden. Yeah. Or yeah. Anne Hathaway. Obviously, I'm a gay guy. I love Double Wears Prada. Um, I thought you were to say The Princess Diaries, and I was like, I hear you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Double Wears Prada. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, no, Princess Diaries, too. And then also, like, Ella Enchanted, I love personally. Um, yeah. But then, like, you know, people's per- like perceptions of her around that time when mm-hmm. she was, like, in the running was kind of like, she's kind of annoying. Yeah. Which is really weird to me. Maybe that's a... Uh, is that an inherently sexist thing? Because I don't know if they do that to guys. I think it is, and I think it's... The the space that we allow for women in particular to be charming mm. to verging over into annoying is very slim. Like it's such a small yeah. margin yeah. that it's like people get pushed over. Just in like Jennifer Lawrence and Hathaway. They, yeah, because it's all and maybe it also has a lot to do with the self promotion thing too. Because yeah. it's like they're around, they're like trying to get in the bidding or whatever for mm. these awards, and 
it's presumptuous for a woman to want to do that. Yeah. So maybe that's the thing. I don't know. Have you read Amy Poehler's book? Yes. Uh, so she calls it the pudding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The pudding, yeah. The pudding, yeah. <laughs> and I just like I love that concept of like how that she, she recognizes that the awards are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They're a ridiculous concept, but as soon as you get close to the pudding, you want yeah. the pudding. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really great. Example. I love her so much. Me too. Um, I just finished Tina Fey's Bossy Pants for oh, like the so fourth time. Oh, so good as well. Um, Much quicker her, read though, eh? It is a yeah. really quick read. Um, but I have, yes please, uh, on audiobook. Oh, that must be, did she read it herself? Yeah. Oh, that would yeah. be excellent. And she also has like, is it Carol Channing? Carol Burnett. Don't Carol say Burnett. Don't say, what? She's like my idol. That, like, but she has her like, read a part of it too. Oh my God. Yeah, it's great. Like, yeah, it's a really good yeah. listen. Um, and Tina Fey's body, Bossy Pants audiobook is, like, excellent as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I just, like, finished rereading Tina Fey's Bossy Pants. And, like, I find just certain things that she says really resonate with me. And the the line that I always cling to, because this is very much me, is um, I have a uniquely German capacity to vacillate between sentimentality and coldness. And I feel that as a half German person, that's like, yep, <laughs> I feel that because <laughs> yeah, I am extremely sentimental yeah. and very cold sometimes. <laughs> so I can, I guess you may be just pure in purpose. Like you, you have a clear ide- idea of what you want. I would say, yeah, I, yeah, but it's definitely that. <laughs> Cause when I look around your apartment, like this is an apartment of someone who has, is sentimental. Like yeah. I wouldn't say it's minimalist. You don't have a lot of stuff. But you have stuff that matters to you, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, it, it boils down to just, like, I have a, somewhat of a hard time letting go of certain things. I'm just going to name a couple things I can see. Just, sure. Just for the, so I see a record player, yeah. a guitar, uh-huh. a Remington typewriter. I see a Sailor Moon. Is that uh, it Mars? Is, it's Sailor Mars. Sailor Mars. She is my favorite. She was really good. She was the bossy one. I liked her. Yeah, yeah. I feel her. Uh, so Toadstool, is it? It is a one-up from... Oh, Mario. Yeah, Mushroom from Mario. There's also a troll. A troll doll. Um, yeah, and uh, then... A stick the, figure drawing thing, like a body... What is that His called? name is Frank, I believe. Frank, okay. Um, and then I have a paint, like a couple paintings and awesome. an etching over there from... Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name right now, but I bought it at the Center for Craft where I sometimes work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, like, plenty of books and all that stuff. Great yeah. space. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's, like, one of my more... I'm just, like, because I've lived on my own before, and I hadn't had all of these experiences. When I first moved to Halifax, I was 19. Oh, my gosh, so young. So, I didn't have all of this stuff. And then I also, like, started to date somebody who basically, like mandated and dictated that I had to do certain things and be a certain way. It was very abusive. I but can't imagine anyone ever telling you to, to like to live or be a certain way. Could you just it was a different time. Yeah. I was way more insecure and yeah. like down and I, I hadn't fully formed, I don't think. And then I got into a relationship that like was so stifling in so many ways. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could go into the entirety of the thing, um, and I would never name him because I don't think he deserves that, or even, like, not in, in a positive way, but not really in a negative either. It's, it's like, it's just not a thing. But, I mean, like, I went through the gamut when it came to abuse, from emotional to physical, yeah. and especially mental. Like, 
it was not great. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that experience, and I was with this guy for, I think, like two and a half years. After that, it was like I had to rediscover who the fuck I even was. Yeah. So, and that's when I started to make music. Mm-hmm. So, really, this whole project is just like, I need to like figure out who I am, which is why it's called Mirrors, mm-hmm. really. And which is a question I get asked a lot. Because, uh, yeah. like, it's kind of a dumb name, but I understand. I think? Well, yeah. so, I mean, like, it's, well, I think it kind of goes along with the notion that I'm pretty presumptuous or, like, ostentatious in a way. Okay. But it really is just me coming to terms with who the hell I am. Yeah. And doing that through an artistic way, in an artistic medium. Yeah. Because that's how I've always dealt with things, but, you know, kept it to myself. Interesting. But now it's... <laughs> it's out there. You're yeah. you. You're you. You're Kurt, but you're also mirrors. Yes. Yeah. Just keeping it foxy. Womp yeah. womp. <laughs> I absolutely loved recording with Mirrors. Like the figurines and art in his room, he is eclectic and inspired by many different things. His otherness informs his interesting, beautiful, and thoughtful work, and is also inspired by the many creative influences in his life. He has a lot of perspective for someone who has lived for just 25 years. We live in a world where we need more queer representation, and the thought of seeing Kurt perform again in his thigh-high white boots and his killer outfits gives me hope. You can follow Kurt on Instagram at mi.rrors. There you can find links to his most recently released music, and be sure to give him a follow. I am really looking forward to hearing the 10 other tracks that he has planned for release this year, all recorded and produced from his bachelor apartment. Many thanks to Mirrors for joining Quirky and or Queer. Please subscribe and rate me on your favorite podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at Quirky and or Queer and share my content with your friends, families, and especially with the people who bullied you in high school. They need it the most. I am looking to speak with more people about their experiences of otherness. If this is something you might be interested in, let me know by emailing tyler at quirkyandorqueer.com. Thanks to Field Note for providing the music for this podcast. And of course, as always, thanks to my main sponsor, me fabulous and beautiful mother. Because without her support, I'd be screwed and I would struggle a lot more in being my quirky and queer self. Thanks, Mom, and thanks to you for listening to Quirky and or Queer. See you later.